the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What set him free was words of truth. No, Dad, we heard his voice. Let me show you the wagons. And you know, that's the only solution for those who have lost hope. It's the words of truth, God's words. That's what breathes life back into a numb soul. God's words. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. I'm your host, Nate Elliott, as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Genesis. We have continued looking at the life of Joseph and his brothers. Last we saw in Genesis chapter 43 that Joseph had been trying to see if the hearts of his brothers had changed from being envious and selfish to being loving and caring. He gave them one more test to ensure that they have truly changed before revealing himself. Now we will see Joseph work out forgiveness as we join Pastor Will in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. And he said unto them, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. You heard it right. I am Joseph your brother who sold you into Egypt, but now therefore be not grieved. The word there means to be worried or stressed out. I imagine they were. Don't be worried, nor be angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. I imagine as he said, come near. That was hard for them to come near. It was probably hard for them to look him in the eyes. I was a kid and we, me and my older brother, my, the oldest, but I have, I have lots of brothers, so the second oldest, were up on the top bunk with my next youngest brother. And we just thought it'd be funny to tell him and say, why don't you jump off the top of the bunk bed? See what happens. And he was kind of the gullible one that we, you know, we made the one, I remember the same brother, and I was like, man, I don't know, the, I was playing with the lawnmower, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use the lawnmower, and it wasn't, you know, starting, I thought, I don't know, maybe it's got a bad spark plug, and I said, hey, come here, buddy, want to help me with the lawnmower? I said, can you put your finger in the spark plug and tell me what happens? Yeah, well, that's what I was when they were younger, so. But when he fell off the bunk bed, he, he really injured himself. I remember my parents coming up. And it was hard to even look them in the eye because we had just really been stupid, you know, really foolish to think that was funny. I imagine it was hard for some of them to look in his eyes. Has your guilt ever been so overwhelming that you would even grow violent towards yourself? That's what that word angry there means. Don't be violent towards yourself. Don't be tearing yourself up inside for this. He tells them to stop because he says it was a part of God's plan that sent me here. He says in verse 6, For these two years has the famine been in this land, and there are still five years left, guys, in the which there shall neither be earring or harvest. We're not going to plant anything. We're not going to harvest anything. So God, he sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph explains his perspective. I'm not upset, and let me tell you why. 
the reason I'm not upset, the thing that has kept me going throughout all this time when I've seen you and I think of all the hurt that you caused me is the fact of this perspective that I knew God had a plan even, even though what you'd done to me was so horrible. And I want to ask you, you know, tonight, are you going through a trial right now? Do you realize that God leads us into trials? I think, you know, we, maybe you don't, but I struggle with that. I'm like, I know God couldn't lead me here. This is bad. You know, but we sing, you know, the 23rd Psalm. You know, in the 23rd Psalm, <laughs> turn over there real quick. I love the 23rd Psalm. It's so comforting. But there's an interesting connection that we don't make sometimes. In verse 3 of Psalm 23, it says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the paths of the righteous are the ones that he leads us on. Well, then verse 4, you know, it has a little bit more of a somber tone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And sometimes we make a disconnect. We think, yeah, good paths, he's leading me. That's the path of righteousness. Valley of the shadow of death, he's still with me, but he didn't take me there. But that's not what it says. Those are the paths of the righteous. And sometimes God leads us into the valley of the shadow of death. That's where he's taken us. You know, think of the places that God took David. They were scary places, but God led him there. Sometimes God is going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death, where you're going to look around and you're going to think, I don't see how we emerge from this, Lord. And you're going to have to be able to say, Lord, I'm not going to fear any evil because I know you are with me. I know your rod and your staff are going to comfort me through this path that you're going to lead me through to the other side. Each time the disciples ended up in trouble on the sea and Jesus calmed the sea, he told them to go. He sent them into the sea. They didn't make that choice. It wasn't like, you know, they're going, oh, you know, what should we do? Let's go on the other side of the the lake. And and they just went. And God's like, oh, there's going to be a storm. I'll go take care of them. No, he said, go get in the boat. Go on the other side. I'll meet you over there. And then he would walk on the water and come out and help them, Right. Or they got in the boat and he fell asleep. But either way, it was all a part of he had sent them into that place of difficulty. And there are times when God sends us into places of difficulty. If you're going through a trial right now, part of handling it correctly is recognizing that, that, Lord, you've sent me to this place. Well, Joseph continues back in uh, Genesis 45, in verse 9, and he says to him, Listen, God has put me here to take care of us. So verse 9, he tells him, I want you to bring your family to Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord over Egypt. And then there's a colon there, which means a long pause. It's almost like Joseph says, Please let that sink in for a minute. I don't want him to have a heart attack. You know, <laughs> Let it sink in that I'm still alive and that he's made me Lord over Egypt. And then tell him what the plan is. Come down unto me, do not tarry. And you shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near unto me. He's already thought, I mean, he, this was his plan from the beginning. See, forgiveness had already happened in his heart. He just needed to know if he could trust them yet. And so, you know, again, when we talk about the idea of forgiveness is required, we, we can never withhold forgiveness. Trust is something that must be rebuilt. But forgiveness is required. Joseph had done that long ago. He was not bitter at them. He was not angry with them anymore. He had let it go. And so he had this plan. If God and all of his wisdom and mercy and grace had worked in their lives and changed them, that he could trust them, that this would be the plan that he would execute. So he tells them, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen, which was kind of up there to the east of the Nile Delta. It's fascinating. They found in this area, to the east of that Delta region, 
a ton of Semite housing that was there for about four centuries and all of a sudden was hastily abandoned. Now, no one wants to say it's the Israelites. In fact, a lot of people want to say it's not the Israelites, but I just think that's interesting. And you shall be near unto me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and everything you have. And how beautiful is this? And there I will nourish you. For yet there are five years of famine, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaks unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father here. I mean, as these share in this plan, Joseph sees the shock in their eyes because he says in verse 22, behold, come on, wake up. <laughs> you know, that's what the word behold means. Pay attention or, or you got you to gotta grasp this. Look at what your eyes see. They're not lying to you. Benjamin can confirm it. He knows I'm Joseph. See it is my mouth that speaks unto you. For them, he knows it's, it's got to be too good to be true. Not that only Joseph would be alive or Joseph would be in power, but that Joseph would have forgiven them and want to take care of them. So he calls their attention to reality. It is me. It is true. Hurry up and get dad and your family's down here. I'm going to take care of you. Have you ever been forgiven like this? Where you deserve vengeance and that person has you in their grip, but they not only release you, they bless you. That's how God forgives. Fully and completely. And it's not just one of those situations where he says, get out of my sight now, you know? He turns around and then he blesses us. He offers to take care of his enemies. See, and we're called to do the same thing for one another. You know, Joseph had every reason to hold a grudge or to seek justice, but he chose to forgive, to let all that pain and hurt go. And let me ask you, are you carrying around bitterness towards somebody? Someone who has wounded you? It's not illegitimate that you have a reason to be upset, but you've been carrying it around and you refuse to let it go. Tonight's the night to let go of it. Verse 14, he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. At this point, he's just pleading with them and they're still just, it's too good to be true. They can't receive it. And he just, the word there to fall upon him means he collapsed. He's just so, he just, he's, he just, what, what else do I have to do to let you know that, that I forgive you and it's okay and everything's fine? And he just collapses on Benjamin and he just starts sobbing. It's that gobs of snot sobbing that's going on here. I mean, he is just, you know, he has lost it. There is just, all drainage places are draining, you know, and he's, he is, you know, he is just weeping on his neck and finally Benjamin breaks. He breaks and he weeps upon him as well. And at that point, he, he kiss, brings them close, kisses them, and, and they're all just crying together. And, and then finally, they're able to talk. After Joseph's triple assurance, they finally accept the truth. Joseph is alive. They are forgiven. What a beautiful thing that is. Amen? Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice we make to release all the desire for justice and then to overflow with feelings of wishing the offender well. That's what forgiveness looks like. But it's a choice we make. And when we make that choice, God begins to do a work of forgiveness in our hearts to change our feelings toward that person. It doesn't work the other way. It's not like we're all of a sudden you get better feelings, you know, okay, I'll forgive them. No, you have to do it when it hurts. 
You have to do it when it's hard, when you don't want to, when you don't want to let go of that thing, where if you know you release them, then they might do it again, or, or you know, it just doesn't seem fair. And that's the point where your choice must come. And when we do that, the Lord begins to work in our hearts and change our hearts. Now, where we often fail, because we know theologically I have to forgive, is we finally say, okay, fine, I'll forgive. But then those emotions of hurt return an hour later, a day later, a week later, a month later. And we hold on to it yet again. We embrace it anew. For Joseph to act the way he did means he spent the last 20 years making a choice to forgive. That he had reaffirmed that choice over and over again that he could have these genuine feelings of affection and warmth toward his brothers who had treated him this way. Whenever those feelings of anger, hurt, or bitterness came up, he forgave again. And eventually, God changed his heart. I have seen people who have despised each other fall in love all over again through forgiveness. It doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing, but it's a painful thing because you have to relinquish the right for punishment. See, we have this warped sense of justice about us and we want to see punishment done. But the Bible says that the wrath of man does never, it never brings about the righteousness of God. Never. So we never really accomplish even what God wants or even really what we're hoping for because it always falls short. And that usually just feeds the bitterness more and more and more. You ever, you ever wonder how that is? How that person is just always nasty to you? Always everything seems to work out good? You know why that happens? Here's why it happens. Because God is giving you a new, fresh opportunity to forgive him when it hurts, when it stings, when it's hard. And it's going to keep happening. So if you want things to go bad for him, forgive him. Just kidding. Just kidding. But that's why God allows that. Because it is painful. That's really when forgiveness takes place, when we choose when it's hard. Not when all of a sudden 20 years have gone by and I guess I'm not as mad. When it hurts. We go on here, verse 16. The fame thereof was heard. So this noise, the word their fame means noise or sound. All the weeping and all the crying and you know, all the blowing of noses into tissues. It was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. One of the reasons Joseph, I think, dismissed all the Egyptians from the room was, I believe, to protect his brothers. I mean, could you imagine if Joseph revealed, hey, I'm the one you sold in the... You did that to our master? And then they go and tell Pharaoh? I don't think Pharaoh would be very favorably towards his, think very favorably towards his brothers. So I don't think he wanted word spreading of what they had done to him in the past. He wanted their reception by Pharaoh and others to be positive, and it was. So Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto the, your brothers, this is what I want you to do. Laid your beasts, go, and get you back into the land of Canaan, and then take your father and your households and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. Not the best land, but you'll have the best stuff in the land. In other words, we won't treat you as second-class citizens. Now, you are commanded, this do you, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt. And when you're fair, you think you can boss everybody around, so even if they're not your people. So take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come and don't worry about your possessions. Leave them behind for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And so here we see verse 21 that the brothers decide to go. 
And so the children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and he gave them provision for the way. To all of them, Joseph, it says he gave changes of clothing. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothing. So he could get a new PS4 and go out and party for a few nights. Now, I don't think there's any test this time. I think this is just a blessing on his full brother. And yet again, we see no jealousy at all, right? Things really are healed for the most part. Joseph has a word of of admonition. Verse 23, And to his father he sent after this manner ten donkeys laden with the good things of Egypt, and ten she-donkeys laden with corn and bread and food for his father by the way. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed. But then he mentions, as they were leaving, he said unto them, See that you fall not out, by the way. (laughs) The word there means, see that you fall, don't fall apart on the way home, okay? You know, the brothers had great solidarity as they rallied around Benjamin, but that's a long trip home, and there would be a temptation to cast blame. The brothers, really, their hard task isn't over yet, is it? Because they've got to tell their father what really happened. They've got to fess up to him, too, now, because Joseph is alive. And it would be very easy for them to think, well, how do we do this in a way that makes us look good? (laughs) And so that solidarity that they have, Joseph urges them, don't turn on each other. I don't want you falling out, by the way, or falling apart, by the way. Stick together. As you figure out how you're going to tell dad, you need to stick together. I imagine that even Benjamin would have a lot of questions. He might even be a little upset because all his life he knew his older brother had been killed by a wild animal. And now he finds out that you turkeys did it. And so he reminds all of them, you stick together. You, just like you stuck together here, you stick together and we're going to be fine. That's a good word for us too. As a church, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to sin against each other. We're going to even betray each other at times. But if we're not going to fight for one another, then who will? Government's not going to. Lost aren't going to. So we need to stick together. We need to forgive one another. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 13, a beautiful encouragement It says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. That's who you are. You're holy and beloved by God. So put on bowels of compassion, a heart of compassion, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing. In other words, being patient with one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, do the same. Think of what Jesus had done for you and then do that for your brothers and sisters when they fail. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he says, if there's any comfort in Christ, and don't you think we have comfort in Christ? Yeah. If there's any comfort in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any compassion and mercy that you've been shown, then fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind and humility. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Do you think that people could tell we'd been with Jesus if that was how we treated one another? Oh, yeah. Because nobody treats each other like that in the world. If there was ever a time we needed to stick together, too, it's now. There's so much deception out there. You know, we just went to a a recital this afternoon, and it was at a a Christian science reading room. And uh, so there was heresy all around of us. 
but I was reading one article and it mentions in there where it was talking about how the hope for Syria is we just need to pray that mankind's innate goodness will come out. Didn't we talk about that this morning? That's not where we're at. There's so much deception out there. There's so much hate out there. Our weapons need to be turned to the spiritual forces of wickedness around us and not at one another. If you've got an issue with someone here tonight, don't leave without resolving it. Go and make it right tonight and commit yourself to fighting for one another, to, for fighting for that person who's wounded you on the rest of the journey. Because I promise you, if we stick together, we're going to be just fine. And we're going to knock down hell gates and we're going to win other people who see the love that we have and are going to see something different and genuine that is not reproduced anywhere else. Well, verse 25, they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. And they told them, saying, Joseph is still alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. The word there fainted means to be paralyzed. Have you ever experienced so much grief that even good news is hard to receive because you don't want to take the chance to hope again? <laughs> Jacob, he said, I, I can't even think it would be true. I can't, even, I can't even hope that it might be true. Well, verse 27 shows what sets him free. So they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. I think that means more than just he was paralyzed, you know, with, with hopelessness. I think it means all those years of grief. They just, they, they left him. It was almost like a, a weight was just gone. It was almost like he put on new clothes. And Israel said, it is enough. It, the word to me, it's too much, <laughs> too much. Joseph, my son, is still alive? I will go and see him before I die. What set him free? It was words of truth. No, dad, we heard his voice. Let me show you the wagons. <laughs> and you know, that's the only solution for those who have lost hope. It's the words of truth, God's words. That's what breathes life back into a numb soul, God's words. And armed with those words of truth, Jacob is able to process and act appropriately, and he says, let's go to Egypt. Let's go to Egypt. So anyway, that's a cool story, isn't it? <laughs> a couple of things to, th to think about, though, as we close. Think about everything from the brother's perspective for just a moment. They knew nothing of Joseph being alive. They knew nothing of God's plan to take care of them. And yet, that was all how things were really going down, right? See, God is worthy of our trust even when things look their worst. So often, God is working on, the, on those ways, those paths that he has, and we'll never know until we look back after the trial has passed. We won't. We won't know until that moment when he comes out and he goes, I'm Joseph, and I forgive you. <laughs> we won't know till that moment. Everything will look horrible up to that moment when the reality is, Everything is fine. And so I guess my, my challenge tonight is, will you trust him even though you can't see him working in that trial right now? Will you trust that there's a reality that you can't see where God is being faithful to the promises he's made to you? I think that's what God wants us to do. But you know, there's another thought. Can you imagine how relieved Benjamin was? <laughs> He'd gone from lifelong slave to learning his brother was alive and that he wouldn't be a lifelong slave like that. I mean, like, just nothing. It was literally, lie, death, life. I'm dead, I'm alive still. 
And you know what a beautiful illustration of being born again. From guilty to free. From darkness to light. Aren't you glad that the God of heaven has washed away all of your sins? Some people chide us and they say that's too simple. In a moment that God would forgive all of your sins, make you his child, and change your life forever? That's just silly. That's like a fairy tale. Well, I like fairy tale endings. That's a pretty good one. We've been washed. We've been justified. We're his. I can't think of a better way to do it. So when the enemy attacks you this week, remember, you've been taken out of darkness and brought to light. You're not guilty. You've been forgiven. Great truths. Let's all stand. Lord, my hope and my prayer is that we're all going through good times and all is well, but I know enough about life to know that most of us are probably going through trials right now. Most of us probably have something that you put your finger on tonight and you said, I want you to trust me with this. Something that we've been worried about, we've you know, tried to put our hands on and tried to work through in our minds how we're going to make it, you know, fix it or, 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 or keep it from breaking further or, or, or solve the problem and, and we just keep going in circles and all that fear and doubt and worry, Lord, it just is a burden. Lord, you've washed us and you've forgiven us. If, if, you've, if you would do that when we were your enemy, then how much more will you not be with us when we're your child? Lord, we choose tonight to believe that there's a reality we cannot see because we don't have all the facts. Lord, we don't know everything that you're doing. We see through a glass darkly now. So we choose to believe, Lord, that you are working, that you are being faithful to your promises even though we don't see it. And we look forward to what you're going to do. Lord, like your servant David, we choose to call upon your name. We choose to trust your word. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We never know how God will answer our prayers, how he will bring us out of trials and hardships. But there is always hope because he is sure to finish the work he started, as it says in Philippians 1.6. Those things that look like they may destroy us, God will use to refine us. Should you have questions about anything or would like prayer concerning today's message or for anything at all, please reach out to us. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.